we can pray to God, where we can study His Word. We just have so many blessings that are just uh, unbelievable. God knew us so well. He knew what we needed. He knew what would help us. He knew what would encourage us. And uh, so we're just very blessed in all of this. We're looking at now the feast days. So we're in Deuteronomy 16, somebody read 9 to 12. Then you shall celebrate the Feast of Weeks to the Lord your God with a tribute of a freewill offering of your hand, which you shall give just as the Lord your God blesses you, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God. You and your son and your daughter and your male and female servants, and the Levite who is in your town, and the stranger and the orphan, the widow who are in your midst, in the place where the Lord your God chooses to establish his name. You shall remember that you are a slave in Egypt, and you shall be careful to do these so the Feast of uh, the Weeks was seven weeks after the Passover. It was the feast that signaled the beginning of the harvest. It was in the New Testament known as Pentecost, and it was a feast that they should rejoice in and, and remember the Lord in and that day and, and give thanks to the Lord for the beginning of the uh, uh, giving of the, uh, the crop. Uh, it was also a day when they would remember the giving of the law. Thoughts and comments about that section? A lot of passages that deal with those feast days, so we're a little more familiar with them, probably. Would somebody read uh, 13 to 17? You shall observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days, when you have gathered from your threshing floor and from your winepress. And you shall rejoice in your feast, you and your son and your daughter, and your male servant and your female servant, and the Levite, and the stranger and fatherless, and the widow within your gates. Seven days you shall keep a sacred feast to the Lord your God in the place which the Lord chooses, because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and all your work of your hands, so that you you surely rejoice. Three times a year all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord as handle it. Every man shall give as he is able, according to all the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. Okay, so the Feast of Booths was a feast in their seventh month. It was one of the seven-day feasts. It was a feast of great joy, and it was a feast where they celebrated the crop being brought in. The Feast of Weeks was the beginning of the harvest, the Feast of Tabernacles, the culmination those were the three special days that they would appear before the Lord, the Passover, uh, Pentecost, and this Feast of Tabernacles. And each time they don't appear before the Lord empty-handed, we always want to take something to the Lord, a gift, an offering, to glorify the Lord, to praise Him, and to thank Him. Uh, the seventh month was really the big feast month. He doesn't elaborate on that here. But we know that that was really kind of the high point of their calendar, starting with the Feast of Trumpets on the first day, they did have a Day of Atonement, clearly not a feast day, but a special day for them on the 10th day. And then this Feast of uh, Tabernacles from the 15th to the 22nd day, both the first and the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, were special Sabbath days to the Lord. Comments or questions about this? What's it called the Feast of Tabernacles? They would, uh, theoretically, and by the law, they would live in shelters that they would make to symbolize the time that they dwelt in the wilderness. They didn't do that from the time of Joshua until Nehemiah 8, but they were supposed to. 
Other thoughts? Makes you wonder why they didn't ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that brings us to the uh, next series of laws. Always going the wrong direction. One of these days I'll remember that. The laws about the government. We start with some laws relating to the judges. So uh, 18 to, uh, uh, verse 18 to 17, 1. You shall appoint for yourself judges and officers in all your towns which the Lord your God has given you according to your tribe, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. You shall not distort justice. You shall not be <coughs> and you shall not take a bribe. For a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and perverts the words of the justice. The righteousness. Justice and only justice you shall pursue, that you may live and possess the land which the Lord your God has given you. You shall not plant for yourselves an Asherah of any kind of tree beside the altar of the Lord your God, which you shall make for yourselves. You shall not set up for yourselves a sacred pillar which the Lord your God hates. <coughs> you shall not sacrifice the Lord your God an ox or, or a sheep which has a blemish or any, or any defect or detestable. <coughs> Okay, so he's talking about the appointment of the judges, the judicial system in the land. Of course, the supreme authority was God. The judges would operate under him, and the point for the judges to focus on is justice, righteousness. God wants things to be fair. That's why he would say, for example, you've got to take a bribe. Because bribes choke out justice. They don't achieve it. They pervert the minds of the judge. But the highest calling for a judge is to do what is absolutely just and fair and righteous. Maybe that goes without saying, but I think in our culture we need to say it more. The right thing for a judge, or for us, is to be fair and righteous. God wants justice to be done. Now, he goes in from there to talking about some examples of violated justice. Maybe not the kind of examples we would have chosen, but it shows more of a God-centered approach to justice. For example, idolatry in 21 and 22. The Asherah, uh, the uh, sacred pillar uh, idols were unjust and unrighteous. And defective sacrifices in 17.1 were detestable. They showed ingratitude and injustice toward God. So when you think about God's demand of justice, don't just think about justice in terms of interpersonal relationships, but also think about justice in terms of our righteousness in the sight of God. Comments or questions on that section? Then 2 to 7. <laughs> found among you within any of your gates, which the Lord your God gives you, a man or a woman who has wicked 